Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I am Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we will be covering the new movies Asteroid City, directed by Wes Anderson. And Past Lives, directed by Celine Song. For both of these movies, we will start with non-spoilers and then move into spoilers. For all of that, time codes will be down in the description. All right, here we go. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. All right, Asteroid City is the new Wes Anderson movie. It stars Jason Schwartz, Schwartzman. Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Lee Schreiber, and everybody else, and also Jake Ryan, um, who is pretty much an unknown, I would say. Uh, he doesn't even have a Wikipedia link, um, and he plays the son, and I had to scroll really far down to be able to find his name. Um, but yeah, it is classic wes anderson it's got all the visuals you come to expect from him it's got the weird quirky performances it's got an all-star cast that only he can bring together under budget and yeah i liked it i didn't all right in terms of what this movie is about um jason schwartzman is a war photographer uh, and he has a son who's like a nerdy genius boy who love space, and three little daughters who want nothing more than to be little witches and vampires and cook potions. Uh, and they are traveling through and end up in the small town of Asteroid City for an event. Um, and there's a couple other people who end up there, including, uh, including Scarlett Johansson uh, and her daughter. And then uh, Tom Hanks comes to pick up Jason Schwartzman's kids. Anyway, that stuff doesn't really matter. Tilda Swinton's a scientist here. Jeffrey Wright is a military general of some sort. And they all happen to be in this town. There's going to be a solar lunar event type thing. Um, and they're giving away some awards. But then uh, you've seen it in the trailers. There's a spaceship that comes down. Uh, they all end up getting stuck there. And that's about it. But it's not even about that, really, because it's a play of a play of a play or something. So there's the framing device, because Wes Anderson always has to have a quirky framing device. Um, Brian Cranston comes out and introduces. He's on uh, being filmed for a TV special about the making of a play, and that play is Asteroid City. So sometimes we see Brian Cranston telling us a bit about the author of this play and the production of it. Sometimes we see the people getting cast to play their roles in Asteroid City. And then other times we are watching Asteroid City, the play. Um, and I will say, it is not as cleanly done as some of his past movies. I was a little confused on who is who and who is when and why and where it can be a little tricky in that sense um you know grand budapest hotel has kind of a author's book being told by somebody out like all these layers um but that doesn't really impact the story in the way this one does um and then again like he's done the french dispatch which is the newspaper and all the different authors and stuff but 
yeah this one it intercuts between those three and they kind of impact each other in weird ways and it did make it a little difficult because i couldn't always remember who was who and everybody has weird crazy names and roles and jobs and appears for five minutes and disappears for an hour and then comes back for five minutes and it's hard to kind of keep track of some of that stuff yeah and there's no real plot like i guess the plot is spaceship comes and then they're stuck in the desert in the middle of nowhere and so that's why they did the framing device that way to make it a bunch of other stuff happening around that to try and make it more interesting because just being stuck in the desert isn't interesting but none of it was interesting to me yeah this is one of those movies that is not a plot driven movie it is not about an event or a series of events that characters are going through uh, as much as each character Um, and this is something the more i've kind of thought about the movie i've come to enjoy about it um they're all at a similar point in their life and they're searching for what their next step is what their meaning is who they are um where they fit in the world and this role and then this extraterrestrial event happens and that kind of changes the framework of what their existence might mean and it's all just very much Watch these characters who don't know what's going on in the world and don't know their place kind of try and make sense of all of this chaos uh, in this one snapshot of time. Um, And so I I enjoyed that. I actually found it pretty funny. Um, I like this style of humor. It's uh, kind of reminded me a lot of one of Wes Anderson's earlier movies, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, which has always been one of my favorites of his. Um, and I really enjoyed that kind of dynamic and feeling about this movie, where it's kind of funny, but also not in a traditional comedy sense at all. And it's just quirky, and it's very Wes Anderson. And so go in knowing you are not getting a structured story that will tell a compelling message to you and develop a character in an interesting and eventful way. Um, But that is not to say don't go see it, because I do think it is worth a watch if you are interested in these types of movies. I think it looked nice. Yeah, it's really cool because it's a play... Um, all the like sets and stuff they're huge set and sound stages that are made to look like the desert and then there's just like the painted cardboard cutouts of the mountains and all of that kind of stuff and you know living in Utah and taking trips down to Arizona and over to Nevada we've we've driven through places like Asteroid City um, and it's kind of fun to see them in these whimsical cute little bits and there's some there are some touches of stop motion animation and stuff that's kind of fun um but yeah overall i would recommend this one i know you would not i would not i when with him saying that he's thought about it a lot since we watched it i forgot that we watched this movie this week um i would put it as one of the worst movies we've seen this year just because nothing happened and that's always my complaint with a lot of his artistic movies is that nothing happens. But man, it was a killer cast and I feel like it could have been really, really great. But it was not my kind of humor and it was not my kind of plot. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, we are now going to move into spoilers. All right, spoilers for Asteroid City. I guess the biggest spoiler would be uh, when the spaceship comes down, an alien does come out, and he's fun, stop-motion-y, and he comes down, and he's real cute and awkward. Yeah, and he's really cool looking. <laughs> I liked him a lot. Yeah, I really liked the way they... Both, like, the design of him was kind of fun, um, but also just his, like, quirky, his mannerisms. He was so shy and awkward and, like, had stage fright. It's, he's, they, uh, they theorize he might be on some, like, mission just cataloging this asteroid that's fallen that Earth is obsessed with. And he comes down and he takes it and then later comes back and just returns it. And it now just has some writing on it. So, like, oh, he must have cataloged it or whatever. And it really does feel like he's some high school kid working his first summer job and your boss says, oh, hey, can you go in between those customers right there and go grab that off the shelf for me? He just very awkwardly or like walking by to go grab something and all the customers look at you and are like, you, you good? You need you need help? What are you what are you doing over there? <laughs> and he's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I really liked him. But he's in, like, the first act, and then the rest of the movie, I mean, I guess he shows up for, like, two seconds later, but... Yeah, and he's played by Jeff Goldblum in the real world. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, But yeah, there's... With this framing device, we spend the majority of our time in Asteroid City, the play, and the world. Um, And, you know, Jason Schwartzman's kid wins an award, along with some other super genius kids who make all these crazy unrealistic inventions and stuff and then they the alien comes down and they're trying to communicate with him and to the outside world and figure all that out until the swinton's a big scientist lady and she's helping them out with that um and all through this and all through this jason schwartzman and uh scarlett johansson are kind of developing this weird fling for each other yeah um, Even though his wife died, like, three, three weeks, weeks ago. Yeah. And so he's just kind of there. He's also a very strange, analytical kind of guy. Like, he does not process emotions the way the rest of us do. But neither and, does she. And neither does she. And that's kind of why they they work. And I think that's what made him such a great war photographer and whatever, is that he just very openly takes pictures of people and anything he sees and doesn't feel bad about it and doesn't he isn't affected in the same way by these traumas and terrors as other people would be um and so scarlett johansson on the other hand is like this kind of great film actress um and she's emotionally stunted and only really seems to be able to feel emotion when she's performing as opposed to in her normal life and doesn't know how to connect with her daughter and is troubled in her own ways. And she has other kids too. Yeah. That she talks about that she can't connect with either. Yeah. Um, And so they, they end up being set in like the kind of like cabins in the area right next to each other and share, like they can see each other through the window seen it in the trailers and they have some conversations through there we find out they've actually started sleeping together a little bit um and just kind of that dynamic again of trying to find who you are your place all of this stuff he's lost his jason schwartzman's lost his wife and then 
has to tell his kids and he's struggling to tell them and doesn't know how to process it all for them. Then there's this beautiful actress across the way who also similarly is kind of stunted emotionally and they can have this great fling or whatever. Um, but again, like it doesn't develop necessarily anything. It's not like suddenly the kids find out and it's drama and tension. It's not... I mean, the kids do find out, but yeah. they don't care. Yeah, they're just like, okay, whatever. And so it's not that type of movie where there's moments of this tension and resolution or anything like that. It's very much just like, this is what happens. These are these people in their quirky way trying to figure figure life out. Um, and outside, I can't really think of anything else to spoil. Yeah, there's nothing really that happens, <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm. Yeah, uh, there's a weird moment in the third act um, where they're talking. So in the play world, when they're casting, or not the play world, in the real world, when they're casting the play, they talk about they want their actors to actually be able to like fall asleep on stage and experience dreams for these characters and be in the moment so fully. Um, and then they all start chanting, "If you don't fall asleep, you can't wake up." and they chant it over and over and over again. And there's also this kind of, they've had a couple conversations before the playwright and the actor, and then it comes up again of Jason, Jason Schwartzman burning his hand in this moment of tension and angst for him where it's, he's got to make some decisions and his emotions are being challenged and he chooses to try and burn his hand on a burner to wake himself up as opposed to face his current situation is how I kind of interpreted it. And I think, again, that's kind of the whole movie is you can just stay in this weird little bubble of who we are. But if you don't, and if you don't fall asleep, you won't wake up. But if you do let yourself fall asleep and dream, you might meet an alien, you might develop some crazy technology, you might do whatever. Um, I don't think it's the cleanest that message has ever been conveyed but I don't think it was terrible. I'm guessing you did. I didn't know what the message was. Okay. I, I, I didn't get it. I liked the art style. I liked the way it was shot. I liked the people in it. Almost every single actor is someone I very much enjoy. Did not care for the movie. All right. What would you give this out of 10? One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a 7.5. I don't think it's the best of Wes Anderson. Certainly not his worst. And I enjoyed myself. Cool. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our thoughts on Asteroid City. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Alright, my pick for this week was Past Lives, directed by Celine Song. This stars Greta Lee, Tao Yu, and John Magaro as the main people, I would say. Um, it also has a few child actors as well who play them when they're young. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it mostly stars those three. Um, this is about uh, this girl from South Korea, and she's about... 10 or 12 years old and her family decides to immigrate to Canada um and while she's in Korea um she is really close friends with this boy 
who goes to school with her, and they kind of compete educationally. They both tell their moms that they have a crush on one another, and they go on a date. And then, yeah, they immigrate, and it kind of just flashes forward to different points in their lives. Um, and yeah, without going into spoilers, that's kind of the setup for it. Yeah, there's kind of three timelines there's them being 12 there's 12 years after that and then another 12 years after that it's a very simple story it has a lot of profound meaning and emotion um it is not i don't want to say it's like not groundbreaking um but i you've seen this type of movie before just not done in this way yeah um in particular, the performances are incredible by the three main cast. I loved every second of all three of them. They yeah. were incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's cute. Um... I think there's definitely people out there this will resonate with you deeply and may be an incredibly emotional movie for you. I didn't necessarily feel that. I teared up once. This is probably a first. I don't think I teared up at any point in this movie, and I cry at everything. He does. Um, but that's not me saying there's no emotion in this movie. It wasn't good. It didn't make me cry. And it's just me saying I understand why people can connect with this material. It just, it just didn't quite land for me. And we'll go into that more in spoilers because I yeah. feel like him and I have the same reasoning behind why we weren't super emotional with it. Um, but it is it is a good story. It's acted beautifully. I feel like if it was casted with anyone else, it wouldn't have been... It could have been pretty boring because it's pretty much just these three characters having conversations. Yes, but because of the way they play them, it's very... And the writing's very good. Yeah, it's very good. Um... I mean, I don't really I guess, think we can talk about more without spoiling. I guess an another thing we could kind of mention here, this movie is, I would say, predominantly in Korean. Um, so lots of subtitles. There are people that bothers. This is a movie that even if it might bother you a little bit or just not your favorite thing, I don't think you'll notice it too much. You settle right into it. Um, I half the time forgot that I was reading subtitles. Um and it was not by any means a detractor and i really liked the kind of conversations about immigrating not just from somewhere you know to speak the same language but to come somewhere you have to adopt a new name you have to speak an entirely new language and then reconnecting with someone back and you your home country who never learned that new language and and you have to relearn it in order to communicate with them even yeah because you haven't really been using it in in a decade outside of when you talk to like your parents yeah and definitely never written in it so. yeah um so i really there's subtle details like that that um celine song the director really nails and brings to life in a very realistic way i feel again being someone who's only ever lived in the U.S. I guess I lived a year in New Zealand, but English-speaking countries. Um, so it felt realistic, and I enjoyed that aspect of the story and that 
um, a chance to get a glimpse into what that life must be like um, and the pros and cons of taking that step and leaving your world behind and there's good that comes from it and there's bad and there's also just a whole lot of stuff that just is it's not good or bad it just is a fact that you now live somewhere different yeah uh so yeah we're gonna head into spoilers now all right so yeah like we said the main plot they're together when they're 12 and they go on a date and then they she immigrates to canada and then it flashes forward 12 years and she's living in new york trying to be a writer and they reconnect and it seems like this time they're actually going to be able to go into more of a romance for them but they realize with him in school and going to China to learn the language on an exchange program and her doing her writing and everything they would never really be able to visit each other so she kind of cuts contact with him and it's only supposed to be temporary but then she meets her husband the man she ends up marrying and he meets someone who he's with for a long time and they just never get back in contact and then 12 more years pass and he finally comes to visit her and yeah that's that's the story there it is yeah i'd say they spend the least amount of time with them as kids they just it's a and it's also it's a simple relationship then because it's a childhood friendship it's your best friend we've all had our best friend as a kid and know what it's like and how much you care for them um whether it's romantically or not at that time and then also everyone kind of like develops a crush on somebody close to them when you're young and trying to figure out your emotions they develop a crush on each other makes sense um and so it doesn't spend a whole lot of time trying to make you believe that because you just do um and that works really well and then they spend a long time on that reconnecting 12 years later and that was really interesting to me um i have friends who live on the other side of the world that i try and keep in contact with as much as i can and it's hard and time zones make it difficult and you're busy and you know um over in new zealand stuff they're a day ahead so it's like okay hold on it's still my weekend but they're already back to their work week so we only really have like one day a week we can talk and it makes things complicated and she is an incredibly ambitious person from being a child wanting to win the nobel prize to then a pulitzer and always just kind of adjusting to whatever goal aligns with her moment she goes for it all in um and that's just who she is and because of that and the amount of time and she finds herself wanting to have these conversations obviously they're kind of falling in love with each other again and it just it's taking up a lot of her time she's going to classes and finding herself instead of working on her writing or you know doing what she should quote unquote should be doing to achieve those goals she finds herself having conversations with him and working on her flights (laughs) or looking at flights to oh when could i go you know i've got this but then i i could maybe go here and spend my money on that instead of another class or whatever um and that's very difficult to maintain a relationship like that and be as ambitious and driven as she is yeah and i do think she would have ended up with him had he visited her because there are multiple times where she's like do you think you'd or when do you think you could visit new york or you should visit new york and he says why would i 
Yeah, there is a little bit of that, like, he's... Korea is what he knows, and yeah, he's going to, like, China for an exchange program, but he lives in Korea, he grew up in Korea, he stayed in Korea. He lives he's, with his parents still, like... He's very traditionally Korean in a lot of ways. He did his mil- mandatory military service, all of this stuff. Um, so... He just is like, well, why would I go to you? You would come back to me. That's how this works. Like, we met each other <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, whereas for her, it's like, well, I'm not going, I'm not taking a step back. Like, I'm not going back to Korea. I came here to achieve stuff that I have not achieved yet. So I'm mm-hmm. staying. And so there's. But I also think it's the fact that he said, why would I? Because she's in this point where she feels like she would be enough for him to come visit and he just i don't think he means it in like a mean way but saying why would i and then later he asks her when she would come visit and she says why would i and that's kind of like that's the end for them they're not they've made it clear that they can't be together yeah at that point in their lives and i think there's a there's a little bit in there like they're especially um he's embarrassed to kind of admit that he's missed her and has feelings for her and all of this stuff and they're unable to talk about that depth of their relationship and so those why would i moments i was waiting for one of them to be like because i love you and then the other to maybe get cold feet and pull back or something but instead they just kind of like awkwardly will look at each other yeah and it's because like when they're growing up together, she's such an emotional crybaby, and I feel like that's the person who he's expecting her to be. But when she moved to America, she realized that, like, she didn't have that kind of friend to support her while she stood there and cried and cried and cried because he wasn't there anymore, so she stopped showing that emotional side. So, like, he's waiting for her to be the emotional one and be like, because I love you, and he's not really willing to be that person. So they kind of miss each other, you know? Yeah. And so she's like, okay, I'm doing an artist residency. I'm really going for my writing right now. I think we need to, like, you're taking up too much time of my mind and my abilities right now. Let's take a step back. She goes to the residency. She meets a guy. They fall in love. Uh, He's another writer. And... 12 years past they've gotten married for what six seven years by the time it picks back up yeah um still living in new york uh and we see some moments of like she brings coffee to his book signings and they meet on the street and have a cute little like walk halfway across the crosswalk and kiss and then go back and they're they're living you know the life she not you know she's not won a nobel prize or a pulitzer but she's writing and she's in love and has a stable happy relationship and um hungson just broke up with a long-term girlfriend that he met and is getting drunk with his friends and decides to book a flight to new york Uh, and his friends even tease him like you're not going back for that girl you loved two decades ago when you were a kid when you were a kid and he's like what no that's crazy i would never do that and that's 100 percent what he's doing um and so they they go back and it's really awkward for a bit because again you haven't you've spoken you were friends as kids took 12 years off then you talked for a couple months 
12 years off and now you're reconnecting yeah and you know she shows him around they talk for a while there's obviously still like a little spark there and she goes back to talk to her husband and she's like you're right he did come here for me like he's not here on vacation he came to see me and it's this is the part where him and I Everett and I both have issues I feel like with it because her husband is so darling he's so sweet he's so supportive he's He's so cute he learns korean he's learning korean to be closer to her and her family he eats the food that they like like he's doing everything and then even like she's clearly glowing about this guy who's come to visit her and he's like trying to kind of pry like hey like is he attractive is he attractive should i be worried like you're talking how i would not expect my wife to be talking and she does not shut it down she's like well yeah he's attractive in a very strong masculine korean he's a manly korean man you know and he's like well do you find him attractive and she just kind of is like yeah Yeah. he even asks like should i be worried and instead of just saying like no of course not i love you she goes i don't think so and it's like what (laughs) so it's kind of hard to connect i feel like with her because she's played so well and she's like a good character and it's understandable the situation i guess but her husband's such a good guy if it was a a boyfriend or they'd been dating for a year and then this guy comes or if like 12 years ago she had been engaged to him in korea or something but because because it's been 24 years really since they last spent meaningful time together for more than a couple video calls here and there it's hard to like justify justify. yeah and again like her husband is doing everything for her and being so supportive and then even after all of this he's like look it's your childhood best friend and he traveled across the world i'm not going to tell you don't go have dinner with him like go you he i'm not gonna hold that away from you that's not fair on me just because i'm a little jealous well he even says first love he's like yeah "Yeah." and that's another thing is that he mentions um when they're having this talk like if this was a movie i would be the evil white husband keeping you away from your soulmate you know what i mean and she doesn't again she doesn't like shut it down and then he's like well i love you you make my world bigger and she's pauses and then goes me too yeah you do yeah it's like oh and so it's like as much as i want to cheer for this other romance that she's very clearly not shutting down her husband's the best character he's the best (laughs) person in the movie he is very nice yeah Yeah. they finally meet each other the husband and what i'm just gonna say is the boyfriend um they meet each other and they all go out to dinner and she has this like deep meaningful talk with the boyfriend where she is saying you know she's married to her husband and he's a good guy But then they go off on this other tangent of, like, they should be together, or they should have been together, while her husband's sitting there, partially speaking Korean, listening to them, and just, it's sad, you know? Yeah. I, 
the only I don't blame anyone really in this movie. No one's like a evil character. I think she makes the most like obvious moments that just like don't sit well with me. She crosses boundaries. Yeah. For like a like, relationship. If I if you were to do that, if we went to dinner with your childhood crush and were to completely turn away from me in conversation and just talk to them glowingly, laughing, smiling. About being in love about and being, being soulmates. And you know, you told me the night before that, I don't think you should be worried, but he is pretty cute. I don't support her way of going about this and her decisions fully. Um, Hung Soon, I, again, like, I get it, but he also is very clearly expecting her to leave her husband for him. And I do think, like, there is, again, you should be respecting that other relationship that is clearly important um they have at this point almost as much time together as you have they have seven twelve like yeah it's five years it's a long time but at the same time like they've spent a meaningful chunk of her life together and so what gives you the right to just show up on the other side of the planet and take her away from her husband yeah and i just think the boundary crossing line is that he asks her what she thinks they were in a past life and she starts talking about how they could have been affair partners or they could have been you know in love or they could have whatever and it's like don't do that (laughs) like your husband's right there and she turns is like oh we're just talking about you and then keeps talking to him about being in love in a past life like And then she goes, I don't know, to the restroom or something, and he's talking to the husband, and he's like, I came here hoping to hate you, and I can't. Like, you're a really good guy. (laughs) And so it's, like, very clear he did come there to steal his wife, you know? Yeah. And then there's a really great shot. They She walks him down to his Uber to get to the airport, and they just kind of stand there and they slowly start turning towards each other across the span of like a minute or two. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to kiss. They're going to kiss. They're going to kiss. And then the Uber shows up. He leaves. They don't. She walks back. And then her husband comes down to like greet her at the door. And she just breaks down crying. And it's yeah. the first time that she cries since she's an adult. Yeah. And that's the part that I kind of teared up a little bit just because it's like, and like, <clears throat> it's sad because, you know, She's with this person who's finally bringing out who she originally was, but also she's staying with this super supportive husband who's accepting the fact that she's in love with this other man. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, it didn't quite affect me because I was just like, oh, I feel bad for that husband. That's going to be so, like, are they going to be able to get through this? Yeah, how do you carry on after that? (laughs) And so, and then it's, that's it that it's over and so i was just like a little i wasn't so sad for her that oh she's finally crying again and what a hard time she's had i was more like man that poor guy yeah and i turned to him right when it ended and i was like oh he deserves so much better (laughs) and it would have been easier to cheer for them if he was an evil white man but he wasn't he was so sweet (laughs) they talk a lot about through the movie um at various points the korean concept inyun um, and that's the idea of past lives and certain people. Well, anyone who you even 
brush by and touch in yeah, your life. Yeah, any, anyone you have a connection with, there is a reason for that in a past life. Um, and then the people you truly connect with, it's because you've had this relationship built up over thousands of lives. Yeah, like if you marry someone, you've had 8,000 lives together. Yeah, and so if you like fully believe in that, then you can kind of understand their reasoning for like why he's coming back and why she feels so strongly about this because they're fated quote unquote to be together but there's also the fact and she mentions this at the end like maybe this is one of our past lives and we we brush so close together in this one but in the next one or 10 lives from now is the one where we're actually going to be together and that's kind of messed up because he's like yeah see you then you know whatever and it's like they're just waiting to be together, even though she's supposedly in love with her husband. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, the husband just gets done dirty at every turn. Yeah, it's just a sour <laughs> taste in my mouth. Also because of the fact that she doesn't really believe that, because that's the... Like, she explains that concept to her husband the night that they meet, and then they hook up, and... Well, and she And says, she says, uh, he's like, oh, do you really believe that we're, like, fated to meet or whatever and she's like no that's just something koreans say to woo someone basically to flirt and yeah. so it's like not even her belief she was just using it to hook up with him yeah and so i don't know maybe that bit where it's just i'm a little op not optimistic that's probably not the right word but like I don't like her character and I don't stand behind her. Whereas I think a lot of people will not have as many issues because they will be like, well, yeah, but this guy came all the way to the other side of the world. That's so sweet. They have this connection. There's that. And I more of the mindset, like, no, you chose to marry this person and they're together you can, forever. <laughs> yeah. Like you chose that. And if you truly are like, oh no, we are not meant to be together. You don't just, slowly do that while kind of still being with him kind of exploring this other option like that's cruel to your partner and yeah. there's very clearly like emotional cheating and stuff and that's for me did not sit well whereas i think there are going to be people who have experienced that themselves where somebody comes back from your past and you just get overwhelmed with all these emotions for them or you know you meet someone and you just it feels right in that moment like everything's the way it's supposed to be um and so i think that's that's what holds this movie back for me not in that it's bad or wrong i just didn't wasn't able then to support the main characters yeah it crossed a lot of our relationship boundaries so yeah. i just don't think we could yeah so yeah. again like it's not that it's <clears throat> written poorly or that's a bad decision or why would they do that like it's very realistic and i there are thousands of people going through that at this very moment it's just it made me not like the people that i kind of think i was supposed to if i was going to have an emotional reaction to this movie uh yeah so what would you rate it despite kind of ending there on a sour note i am gonna still give this an 8.5 i'd give it about an eight yeah i think there's a lot of really good here yeah but it doesn't crack that upper echelon of films just because I didn't relate to it. For me, it's like a lower eight 
I, w- I don't like doing like a 7.8 rating because I think that's stupid, but it's on the lower end of my 8s that I've given. It would be on the <laughs> higher end of my 8.5s okay. for me. Um, but yeah, I just, it doesn't quite hit that upper echelon of film for me because there is so much of film is the art and the emotions it makes you feel as beautiful and amazing as a movie as this can be if it doesn't connect with me i can't give it a perfect score that's fair there's a word in korean inyon it means providence or fate do you believe in that that's just something koreans say to seduce someone all right thank you for listening to our podcast this week um make sure you follow us on instagram and tiktok at nerd and normie and tune in every monday for a new episode and if you're listening on an audio platform please give us a five-star review it really helps us out and if you're on youtube please like and subscribe thank Thank you. you